Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Chicago's Legal Latte, a series of podcasts brought to you by Lavelle Law Limited. Throughout this series, the attorneys from Lavelle Law will share their answers to questions about a variety of topics for individuals and small businesses. To participate in today's discussion, you can email us at podcast at lavellelaw.com. On a number of occasions in the past, we have discussed uh, at great length estate planning and taking the appropriate steps to protect your assets and, uh, as part of the process, uh, designate a trustee to manage your assets after your death, uh, make sure things are handled in an orderly manner. Today we're going to uh, drill a little deeper into that process and look at the manner in which claims might be made against an estate for money that uh, someone is claiming is owed to them. Uh, something we haven't talked about before and looks like an interesting topic. So welcome, everybody. It's Jim Mitchell back with you again, and, and pleased to say hello again to Attorney Jennifer Burt of Lavelle Law. Jennifer is going to guide us through the process of making, paying, or defending claims against an estate, so we've got a lot to learn. Uh, Jennifer, good afternoon. How are you today? Good. How are you doing, Jim? Good. Good. Thanks for being here. Um, as, as I look through this, it looks like there's really two ways to approach this topic. You know, First is from the point of view of someone who wants to make a claim for money they, they feel they're owed, and then second, from the position of the administrator of an estate who is charged with closing out the affairs of another person. In either case, no matter how we look at it, are there state laws that really govern this process for them to follow? There are. All claims against decedents' estates are statutory, so that can all be located in the Probate Act, and that contains the specific statutory provisions that relate to claims against decedents' estates. The Probate Act must be strictly followed either to preserve the claim if you are a claimant or to defend against the claim if you are a representative of the estate. And with with that statutory guideline there, then, as we have our discussion today, are, are, we, are we talking about the process when someone did, in fact, have an estate plan set up, or would this apply whether they did or didn't? It would apply whether they did or did not. Okay. All right. Now, if someone is going to make a claim against the estate of a deceased person, is there a period of time in which they have an opportunity to do that? Yes. If you receive a claims notice from a representative of the estate, the claims notice will actually have a date, a specific date, in which you must file the claim by. If you don't file the claim by that day, then your claim will likely be barred. <clears throat> the time to file the claim that is contained on the claims notice is a date that is not less than six months from the date that the representative first publish, publicized the claim or three months from the date of the mailing or the delivery of the notice, whichever is later. So in almost every circumstance, it's going to be at least six months. All right. Now, you, you just mentioned a few actions there that, that I want to follow up on and, and clarify a little bit. So let, let's take them one at a time. First, I, I think I heard you mention a claims notice. Is that a, is that a formal step that the executor must take, and, and how does it work if that's right? So a representative of the estate will send out an, a claims notice to all of decedent's creditors whose names and addresses are known to him or he can reasonably ascertain those names. The Probate Act requires the representative to publish the claims notice for creditors and to mail or deliver 
a claims notice to each known or reasonably ascertainable creditor. Okay, so when we talk about having knowledge of these creditors, uh, does that include just basic things like regular monthly household bills, car payments, mortgages, or, or do we assume that those are sort of arrive in the mail, we don't have to worry about them? Or, and if not, what other types of creditors might be we talking about here? As the representative gets the estate, they then look through all of the documents that are in decedent's possession to determine whether or not the, the person or entity that's referenced in those documents or in any notes left by the decedent to determine whether or not that person is a creditor. Okay. And so so that was the notice portion of that. Now, you a few minutes ago you also made reference, if I heard you right, to publishing a notice. Now, what do you mean by that? The representative has a duty to publish the notice once a week for three successive weeks, and that must be published in a newspaper published in the county where the estate is being administered. And that's in order to make sure that uh, creditors who maybe didn't receive notice would be able to receive notice via publication. And, and it's funny, I mean, I've seen that in, in the paper, um, and I think there's a number of different things that you'll find in that section periodically of, of notices being published. Now. If someone needs to do that, is there, a, is there a special format that has to be followed, and, and can they just call the paper and say, I need to do this, or does an attorney like yourself really need to be involved to help them do it properly? Typically, you're going to want an attorney to be involved to do that properly, because if you fail to do it properly, then that time will never begin to tick, and those claims can be filed after the six months. So you might have a situation where you end up thwarting your ability to finalize and close the estate because you haven't followed the particular procedures required. Okay, okay. Um, so I'm, I'm enjoying the conversation with Attorney Jennifer Burt today of Lavelle Law, as I, as I always do when she's got time to join me. Uh, we're talking about steps that have to be taken to identify and, and reach creditors of an estate after someone passes away. Um, now, we often find here on the discussion that our time allotment is, is just not enough to cover everything we want to cover. So let me suggest now that uh, once we're done, you may want to take a quick visit to LavelleLaw.com uh, and maybe just go ahead and bookmark that site. That way you can always grab information, uh, find out about Jennifer, uh, the other attorneys at the firm as well. And then, you know, if you have time, you might want to read some of the articles and see some of the videos that are on that site because there's, there's a lot there. Um, but we'll get as much in today as we can. And, and Jennifer, we, we talked about creditors and, and some of the basic ones that we would expect to encounter. Um, but does the state have responsibility to somehow seek out others that maybe might not be as readily known or as easily accessible? The only thing that the Act requires is that the rep representative uh, send notice to known creditors and what's called, quote-unquote, reasonably ascertainable creditors. So if it's not reasonably ascertainable, um, there's an argument there that they didn't have to send notice because they weren't able to ascertain that that person or entity was a creditor of the decedent. Okay. Um, and, and as we talk about time limits on, on making the claim, does that presuppose that notifications have been made? And, and by that, I mean, if, if the notifications are not made, if, if nothing is published, does the creditor then have additional time or are they somehow lost in the process? 
That's correct. They would have additional time. If no estate is ever opened and a claims notice is never sent, obviously because no estate was opened, then the creditor has two years to file a claim. After that, it's barred. Okay. Um, so talk to me about the process a little bit, and, and we were just talking before we started here that you know you find yourself in, in court on a regular basis as part of working with your clients. If If a claim is made, a creditor says, yes, I feel that this estate owes me money, does that claim just go to the, to the person administrating the estate and they, they kind of settle it, or is this a formal process that the creditor has to go through a, a court process to, to manage? If the representative of the estate doesn't allow your claim and enter an order in court saying that your claim is allowed, you would want to go to court and seek an order stating that your claim is allowed so that you would get payment in the event that there was any funds available. Okay. Um, now let's talk about the availability of funds because that certainly comes to mind as well. Um, as as the estate receives claims, um, are they simply handled in, in order of receipt or do they have to pay them out in, in some other manner of priority or, or uh, rec- you know follow requirements to pay certain people? Each claim, when it's allowed and it's entered in the court, then has a classification. So, for example, and it's classes one through seven, the first class is your funeral and burial expenses, expenses of administration, and statutory custodial claims is what they call them. Uh, The second class claims are surviving spouses or child's awards. Third class, debts due to the United States. Fourth class, money due employees of the decedent that is not more than $800. Uh, The fifth-class claim is money or property received or held in trust by the decedent, which cannot be identified or traced. A sixth-class claim is debts due this state and the county, township, city, village, or school district within the state. And then the last class is your seventh-class claim, and that's all other claims that don't fit into one of the other categories, one through six. Okay, so so technically then, uh, if I'm understanding that, the person who's in charge of the estate should really wait until that six-month period and and receives all of the claims so that they can pay them in this prioritized order then. That's right. Okay. Now, let's say a claim comes in that they question or don't feel should be paid or is owed. How, How does the estate challenge a claim or do they just simply refuse it and and then the creditor has to go to court to try and receive it? Right. So they would disallow the claim, the representative, and then the uh, creditor would need to go before the court and assert the claim. And the court would have to determine whether the claim would be allowed and entered, whether it would be dismissed, uh, whether it would be continued, or whether maybe it would be set for trial so that the court can hear all the evidence to determine whether or not the claim should be allowed or disallowed. And then in that case, does that perhaps tie up other other claims that might be waiting in that priority order? Uh, the other claims would, it may, it may. Yeah. It depends how much money is in the estate and whether mm-hmm. or not they can uh, actually keep some of them or send out some of the money and still have enough money. So it would be on a case-by-case uh, basis. And and I assume that there are instances in which the estate may not be able to cover all the claims. They don't have enough funds in there. What what happens then? 
all of the all of the claims are paid by classification. Mm-hmm. So when the, if there's enough money to pay all the first class claims, then all the first class claims would be paid. But if there's not enough money then after that to pay all of the second class claims, then the estate would be divided up um, pro rata per creditor within that next claim class. Okay. Now, as I mentioned just a couple minutes ago, we, we you know, don't always have time to get uh, into as much detail as we'd like. We've covered quite a bit today. Uh, and I know you, uh, in, in your work with Lavelle, you've, you've got an office in Chicago. They have a Palatine uh, location. Um, we've got the website I mentioned, LavelleLaw.com. If somebody had questions about this, is there a great place to reach you, either by phone or email? What, uh, how, how do they go about getting in touch with you, Jennifer? Yeah, so my direct line is 312-888-4111. Anyone can contact me directly on that phone number. Okay. Well, um, my thanks to Jennifer for, for being with us today. Always a pleasure to talk with her, and uh, we'll let her return to her task for the day and look forward to having a chance to talk with her again in the near future. Uh, for those of you listening, always appreciate you taking the time. And, again, uh, LavelleLaw.com is a place to uh, read some of the information that we talked about today. Our uh, articles have been written by Jennifer uh, that you'll find there. You'll get her profile and a, a better understanding of her practice as well as the practice of all the attorneys at uh, Lavelle Law. Um, so we appreciate her being here and appreciate uh, all of you taking the time to listen as well. We'll look forward to having Jennifer return in the near future. And, again, if you have questions, feel free to reach out to her. And we always look forward to uh, having you join us for detailed conversations. Thanks so much for being here. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Chicago's Legal Latte. If you have any questions or topics for a future episode, please call Lavelle Law Limited at 847-705-7555 or email us at podcast at lavellelaw.com. 